The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. Uh, off the balls, George Gilroy with me. Um, uh, there's so much World Cup coverage. I don't want to dwell on it, Ger. Uh, but I was driving home last night, so I didn't see the Japanese ball not going over the line. I Did it a, not? I was at a Christmas party. So you didn't so, see it either. There you go. It turns out, I, I, this is one of the conundrums of um, the Christmas World Cup is that so much stuff happens when you're like doing other things. And yet, the viewership figures are really good. Yeah. I'm all for a Winter World Cup. I am too. Yeah, I, did, I really am. I do keep making the point that like, it's uh, only a Summer World Cup for half of the Yeah, planet. you did make that point here before, like, yes. You know, uh, but our Eurocentric colonial upbringing, like, no, we, we're very anti-colonial except when it suits us. No. Okay. Anyway, the ball didn't go over the line. It may or may not have, but Germany are gone. I mean, does it, is anybody more in the passing of the Germans from a World Cup? I don't think so. Ah, the only team to really make any sort of a stand, a statement against the yeah the regime in Qatar. Yeah, should be remembered for that. And really has got under the Qatari skins as well. The Germans have. Yeah, the Germans did with that. I think everybody who was doing anything, like anybody who showed up at any kind of um, rainbow. Um, livery at any point there was actually a rainbow on the pitch that became controversial they were like oh turn off the sprinklers however whatever was causing it um so look (laughs) that whole aspect of the world cup hasn't gone away and that's good you know we we had the reporter on from denmark the other day who was the guy pre-world cup who was filming at a roundabout you probably saw that video at the start he was live on danish tv yeah he got robbed or not he didn't get robbed somebody else got robbed or got their handbag stolen he they they just came up and told him to stop filming exactly Exactly, and like while he was live on there, and then um, so he he's been at the World Cup for the entire time. We were talking about the Danish football team. And they're like, by the way, this obviously happened. What yeah. happened afterwards? And he was like, well, it's just like he, he's reported on World Cups all the way back to Brazil and South Africa and, and Russia, and was just making the point that like you can't bring people to your country and then not prepare for the fact that they're there, or expect them not to actually try and find out what the real story of what life is like in the country. And so we now know far more about migrant workers' rights in Qatar than we ever did. And mm. we now associate Qatar with really shoddy work practices which resulted in the deaths of thousands of people to produce stadia which are never going to be used after this. Some of them are going to be dismantled. So, like, when you think of Qatar, what do you think of? Like, well, yeah. I mean, they had that World Cup which was all a bit weird. I put that to someone uh, working in the advertising industry recently and their view was that won't bother them that it still will be a success from from a marketing point from a brand Qatar point of view it will still be a success that the number of people for whom Qatar now exists as a possible place to go and a possible place to do business is greater than it was before all of this and that number of people outweigh the number of people who feel uneasy about the migrant worker and situation. That's no, sorry, that's just one person's view. Well, they could be totally wrong. I just thought it was an interesting well, uh, view from someone who kind of works in kind of uh, the brand awareness industry, if we'll describe it that way. That's the point of sports washing. Yeah. And sports washing has always worked. It always worked. Uh, so long as your empire continued to be the dominant empire, you got to spin whatever narrative you wanted out of it. Um, you know, mm. um, the Sochi Olympic Games were one of the most expensive before this happened. And Putin got exactly what he wanted. He looked great in front of his own people. They won all the medals. They cheated to do it, but they won all the medals and nobody really cares. Like, sports washing works. Um, so before we move on from the World Cup, I, uh, how close are we to the point in the tournament where all the Irish people who said they were cheering for England start to get cold feet? Um, I think we're right there. Ah, oh, yes. Okay, great. I, well, I, like... <laughs> 
if the Tipperary hurlers are doing well, how do you feel? Well, see, Ger, I would never in a month of Sundays before a tournament started wish them well in the first place. You see, that's the difference here. Yeah. Never. So you think that there were pre-tournament Oh, there people who, who kind of thought, you know what, I kind of... I kind of like that England team. Well, I wouldn't I, mind if they went and won it. I like and, and, Southgate. That yeah. doesn't mean I like the. I think, the, and I think, I think some of those people then will start to get cold feet. But you know, see, I'd never make that mistake with Tipperary. No, I mean, how could you? You know, like I'm from Kildare. The last thing we ever want is the Dubs to do well. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, every every one of their victories compounds the pain and suffering of our own people. Like, why why do you want your neighbour to do well in sports? That's nonsense. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you 100. percent Anyway, listen. Let's talk about Ron Nogara. Um, who is staying at La Rochelle, is that right? Yeah, so uh, a new deal, this was mooted during the week and that kind of seems to have taken him out of the running for the England gig. Um, the England gig might be up sooner rather than later. Uh, Clive Woodward is writing every single day about how no one is qualified within the RFU to make the decision on uh, Eddie Jones and yet he has to go. So that job is is right there. And How long has he left on his contract, Eddie Jones? To the end of the World Cup. Okay. And it's it's clear that Eddie Jones is leaving at the end of the World Cup yeah, because he's been linked with an eight-year career, uh, eight-year contract in USA which would take them through the next two World Cup cycles. Okay. Which would make sense. And um, now I don't, I'm not sure it makes sense for America but like from Eddie Jones' perspective he's mm. done his time. The uh, Scott Robertson is this New Zealand genius who should have got the All Blacks gig but Joe Schmidt managed to somehow get into the mix there and buffer and buttress the existing coach who should have got sacked after Ireland beat them. But Schmidt came in, steadied the ship, and now he's going to be part of the New Zealand ticket and Scott Robertson doesn't want to be part of you know a, a, a mix and match ticket. So he's yeah. available, has said he would like to manage in international rugby and is a bit of a genius. He worked with O'Gara. And why, some, why is he regarded as a bit of a genius? Because his club side played the most exciting, okay. exhilarating brand of rugby that we've seen, like all singing, all dancing, um, could deal with all... all of the things that were thrown at them, very innovative in defence and innovative in okay. attack. Basically, like a Jurgen Klopp style figure, and he's there. And he was in, uh, he was in England coaching the Barbarians for a friendly. It was they were all doing interviews. O'Gara was his, his co-coach, and they were like, "Yeah, of course we'd love to. We'd love to England. Well, why wouldn't you? It's like one of the best jobs in world rugby." And at that point, it emerged publicly that there was at least a three-man and possibly a four-man shortlist. And O'Gara was one of them. Robertson was one of them. Steve Borthwick was one of them, and then. During the week, Will Greenwood said on our show that there's actually, he thinks, a fourth person who we don't know. Um, now, O'Gara's new contract, we don't know. There might be a buyout clause that's very favourable if England or Ireland or France want yeah. me to coach at international level, pay a fee to La Rochelle and, and, and get out. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. Um, but you can also see that if there's a medium-term contract on offer from La Rochelle where you've won a European Cup and you're still cutting your teeth as a head coach, like yeah. as the sole head coach. You know, he's, he's still very young in that role. And also, it's such a beautiful part of the world to live in. Mm. Like, we forget about this stuff, you know? It's cold and rainy and miserable in Ireland a lot of the time. And in England. And in England. But there, when it's cold and rainy, it's like a short little short little window. And the rest of the year, it's like, it's a, he lives in Ile de Ray, which is like stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. So... Sometimes we forget about these things that the coaches have to live in the real world, and they're you know they drop the kids to school, and uh, you know you go down to the boulangerie and you have your little coffee, and everybody's like, oh, you're the coach of the rugby team, that won the European Cup, you're great. Um, whereas if you coach England, people are coming up to you in the street and going, oi, oh, you traitor, you traitor. Well, there's that element of it as well. You will which, get that, of course. You oh will. yeah, like, oh yeah, you get people giving out here because he's doing it, and you get people giving out over there because of the job he's doing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a lot to be said for being happy in life. 
All right. Well, I hope he is happy uh, with his new contract. Uh, but it will be interesting to see. What, sorry, Eddie Jones might actually be gone then before the World Cup. I think that's, that's an unusual thing in very, rugby. Very, very unusual. You know, now, they, usually it's a big thing. You know, they see out there, they don't give guff to the refs and they see out those contracts. Oh, Jesus Christ. The, uh, the Welsh have done it before. Uh, famously, the South Africans did it and then went on to win the World Cup. Yeah. And, and they got Razzie, who is a similarly charismatic individual to Scott Robertson. So, like... The RFU, though, you know, um, what was it? Old farts is what the Will Carling referred to them as when he was the England captain. And things haven't really changed that much. So mm. will they have the gumption or the balls to sack Eddie Jones now and get somebody else in? Like, I don't know if you've looked, so you probably haven't looked at the World Cup draw, right? No. But the World Cup draw is mad. You're in pools and it's divided in two sides. And on one side of the draw are the hard pools with us, South Africa, New Zealand, and France, we're in we're in each other's groups. And we play each other in the semi in the quarterfinals, yeah. and then you could play the same team again in the semis. What? Yeah, the same team. We could beat South Africa in the group stages, and yeah. then beat New Zealand in the quarterfinals, and then we'd have to play South Africa again in the semis. Ah. They didn't mix them up. So on the other side of the draw, you have mighty Scotland, uh, Japan, Argentina. We're getting a little bit better. Australia, who are like completely. Uh, inconsistent and England. So the England job is like, you could be in a World Cup final, all you got to do is beat maybe Japan, Argentina and Australia. And play some team who's been playing battered, uh, battered yeah. week in, week out. So uh, like, you know, over sack Eddie jo- or, or, or maybe Eddie Jones wins the World Cup with that team. So, I we'll have to wait and see. Jer, pleasure as always. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.